0: Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast, core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. This is the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. This week, we're going to take a little dive into some toxicology and talk about local anesthetic systemic toxicity, or LAST. LAST is a life-threatening adverse reaction resulting from local anesthetic reaching significant systemic circulating levels. It's pretty rare and almost always occurs within minutes of injection of the local anesthetic. There are four common places where we should consider this happening. The first is during injection of a local anesthetic that reaches the systemic circulation. Now that's either by mistake, so you were trying to do a sub-Q injection but you errantly injected into a vessel, or if it's part of a regional block like a beer block. The second place is during rapid absorption of a local anesthetic that's injected into a highly vascular area. The third is when you use a local anesthetic, but the doses are in excess of the maximum recommended dose. This typically occurs when there are multiple subcutaneous injections. And then the fourth place are some commonly implicated procedures that we see. So this is during bronchoscopy, circumcision, and also during tumescent liposuction. Lidocaine is the most common local anesthetic used, and because of the ridiculous way the concentrations are done, people are often unaware of how much they're injecting. So this comes back to that issue of, did I exceed the maximum dose that's recommended? Lidocaine typically comes in 1%, 2%, and 4% concentrations. 1% lidocaine means that there's 1 gram or 1,000 milligrams of lidocaine in 100 cc's. That means that 1 cc of 1% lidocaine has 10 milligrams of lidocaine in it. For 2%, 1 cc would have 20 milligrams, and for 4%, 1 cc would have 40 milligrams. The toxic dose of lidocaine when used as a local anesthetic is 5 milligrams per kilogram if you give without epinephrine, and 7 milligrams per kilogram if it's given with epinephrine. So if we had a sample 70 kilo patient and we're using 1% epinephrine, we can safely give 350 milligrams locally, which is about 35 mLs of 1%. That sounds like a lot of lidocaine, so it's hard to see how we'd get into much trouble. However, if we're working with a 10 kilogram kid, the toxic dose is now just 50 milligrams. We're talking about 5 cc's of 1% lidocaine. So we've got to be careful when we make these calculations before we administer the drug. We have to know what our max dose is and what the toxic dose is in place. The other place where I've seen people approach toxic levels is in patients with very large lacerations. I can remember in med school, I had a guy who jumped through a plate glass window and he had numerous large lacerations to close. Now we ended up getting very close to the toxic dose. We ended up basically having to break up this repair in order to let the lidocaine wear off and make sure that we weren't reaching that toxic level. While lidocaine is the most commonly used agent, it's also good to know the toxic doses of some less commonly used agents. We'll have a table in the show notes that has all these details, but I want to mention bupivacaine because I think after lidocaine, it is the next most used local anesthetic. Bupivacaine has a max dose of 2.5 milligrams per kilogram if given without epinephrine and 3 milligrams per kilogram if given with epinephrine. It's important to think about bupivacaine because it has a longer time of action and it can be much more toxic or at least get you into more trouble than lidocaine can. We'll also include things like Mepivacaine and Ropivacaine in the table, but I'm not gonna mention them too much more here. All the agents that we're talking about work as sodium channel blockers, which explains both their anesthetic properties as well as the symptoms you see as toxicity develops. There are two main systems that are commonly affected in toxic doses, the CNS and the cardiovascular system. CNS systems can be minor, things like tongue or perioral numbness, paresthesias, restlessness, or muscle fasciculations, or even tremors. But you can also have some major CNS symptoms, and these include seizures, global CNS depression, or even centrally mediated apnea. The cardiovascular symptoms can include things like hypertension and tachycardia early on, but later on you're going to see peripheral vasodilation, profound hypotension, sinus bradycardia, AV blocks, conduction abnormalities, ventricular dysrhythmias, and possibly cardiac arrest. Interestingly, lidocaine toxicity will typically present with minor CNS signs and symptoms prior to developing the cardiovascular issues, and so those CNS signs can actually give you some warning. Bupifacan, on the other hand, will typically present with the cardiovascular symptoms first. So the patient can go from they're doing totally fine to a major dysrhythmia and arrest pretty quickly. So let's talk about how we actually manage toxicity. Now, the first and most important step is going to be prevention of the toxicity in the first place. So in order to do this, we have to know and calculate the maximum dose of the local anesthetic agent prior to use. And we should be routinely doing this every single time we give a local anesthetic. Always aspirate prior to injection to ensure the drug isn't being delivered either intra-arterial or intravenous. Ask the patient about symptoms after injection, so are they having any perioral numbness, any paresthesias? And then consider serial repairs if you have large or multiple wounds to minimize the chance for toxicity. Now, once the patient starts to manifest some signs of toxicity, we're going to start with basic management. So the first thing to do is to stop injection or infusion of the agent that you're using. If you don't already have it, establish IV access and put the patient on a continuous cardiac monitor. From there, we're going to move to aggressive supportive care, focusing on the ABCs. If the toxicity has led to hypercapnia or hypoxia or acidosis, that's a bad thing because all of those will worsen the toxicity that's occurring. So we're going to add supplemental oxygen, we're going to give them 100% FiO2, hyperventilate if necessary, and again, we're going to be watching for any signs of decreased ventilatory status. If the patient develops any profound hypotension from peripheral vasodilation or starts to develop dysrhythmias, we can move into the ACLS algorithm. If we need to augment their cardiac output, we can add epinephrine. That seems to be the drug of choice here, and that's going to improve the peripheral vascular tone. Infusion of sodium bicarbonate can be beneficial in these patients, firstly, because they've got a severe acidosis, and maybe the bicarbonate will help with that, although we know that that's kind of a sketchy relationship of whether it'll help. But also, the sodium load from the sodium bicarbonate can help. Remember, these are all sodium channel blockers, so giving more sodium may overwhelm that blockade. If the patient arrests, clearly, we're going to start with high-quality CPR. If the patient develops seizures, we're going to start with benzodiazepines as the first-line therapy, and we're going to use that over something like propofol because propofol is a cardiac depressant, and we've already got quite a bit of cardiac issues that are either coming or already going on. If the patient has profound hypotension, any dysrhythmias, or goes into cardiac arrest, we should also consider lipid emulsion therapy. This is the 20% intralipid. While the mechanism of action for lipid emulsion is unclear, it's thought that it may act as a lipid sink to help facilitate redistribution of the local anesthetic from target organs. While intralipid has been used for a number of indications as an antidote, this is probably the place where it has the most robust evidence behind it, so clearly we should be reaching for it. In lidocaine toxicity, even when the patient develops a dysrhythmia or arrest, which is pretty rare with lidocaine, Lipid emulsion plays a smaller role, simply because lidocaine wears off quickly, and so good CPR may actually bridge the patient through that toxicity, and you won't even get the lipid emulsion therapy on board before the patient comes back. On the other hand, bupivacaine is a place where lipid emulsion therapy is going to be extremely beneficial because of the long half-life of that drug. Bupivacaine toxicity can lead to prolonged arrest, and so lipid emulsion therapy clearly plays a role here. Now, that being said, if the patient just got lidocaine and they develop any of these, I'm going to be reaching for the lipid emulsion therapy for that as well. The dosing here is based on a couple of papers, and Goldfrank's toxicology has some great references as well, but we're going to give a bolus of 1 to 1.5 milliliters per kilogram over a minute. We can repeat that bolus every 3 minutes up to a total dose of 3 mLs per kilo. In addition to that, we're going to start an infusion of about a quarter mL per kilo per minute. And we're going to continue that infusion until the patient has been hemodynamically stable for at least 10 minutes. If we need to, we can increase that infusion by half a milliliter per kilogram per minute if the BP worsens. In addition to that, you're going to want to continue CPR throughout the infusion if the patient's arrested because you need to circulate that drug through the body. Before we wrap up with the podcast this week, let's hit a couple of take-home points on LAST. The key in managing local anesthetic systemic toxicity is prevention. Know your dose, know your maximum dose, and always aspirate prior to injection, and of course, ask the patient if they're developing symptoms. Lidocaine toxicity cardiovascular complications are typically preceded by the neurological signs and symptoms. So if you see those neurosigns developing, stop administration, place the patient on a monitor, and ready your antidote. Bipithecaine toxicity, on the other hand, can be sudden and catastrophic. If you're using this drug, undershoot your max dose and know where your antidote is. And finally, intralipid has been shown to be effective in local anesthetic systemic toxicity. Administer the drug anytime there are signs of hemodynamic compromise. Well, that's all for the Core EM podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coreem.net. We've got a ton of great core content emergency medicine. We'll have a Core post up on Wednesday and a journal update up on Thursday. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, follow us on Google+, and on Twitter where our handle is at Core underscore EN. Thanks, and see you all next week.